1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
0: For this episode I spoke to the lovely Emma White you may have seen her on All That Glitters on BBC it's a reality show where jewellers compete to be crowned the winner Um, it's really good you should watch it there's a few series to catch up on I've known Emma for a while I'm very lucky to have a few pieces of her jewellery And I loved watching her on the show and catching up with her for this podcast because I didn't actually know she was divorced. It's one of those things that came out later down the line after we'd known each other for a while and she saw I did a podcast about it. So it was great to talk about that. Um, She's remarried uh, and has a family now as well. Um, So it was really nice to hear you know, first marriage versus second marriage and how that all worked out. So enjoy. So I am joined by a finalist of All That Glitters on BBC Two. She is the storyteller jeweller. It's Emma White. Welcome to The Divorce Social.
2: Hi, Sam. How
0: are you? I'm good. I mean, I've just spilt tea, as you know, everywhere, (laughs) because my cat tried to jump on me. But apart from that, I'm good. How are you? How do you feel about being on the divorce social?
2: Oh, I'm quite excited and a little nervous.
0: (laughs) That's exactly how I want everyone to feel in my presence at all times.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, So you are divorced and I didn't Mm. know this about you.
2: No, well, I suppose when I was filming All It Glitters, there was a lot made of the fact that I was a family person and mum of three was in every single bio uh, social media post. Um, an article so um, but you know people don't kind of talk about the bit that comes before quite often so but yes I am divorced.
0: And because I've known you for a while we sort of met on Instagram and I love your jewellery and I am very lucky to have some pieces of your (laughs) jewellery and yeah it's it is funny the people in my life that I'm close to and then all of a sudden uh, it comes out that they're divorced. I'm like, oh my god, I never knew. Like, you should yeah. wear it as a banner around. Your maybe,
2: neck. maybe we should get like a pin or a tattoo or something.
0: <laughs> I mean, I do have a necklace that says "divorced" that I wear That's to fine. parties. Yeah. Um. So, does it feel like a different life almost then? Because you have yeah. this new family.
2: Yeah, it does feel like a very different life. I mean, it was quite a while ago. Um. So. You know, and I have obviously moved on um romantically and, and in lots and lots of ways. My life is entirely different really now. So it does seem like it was an, another lifetime ago. I do have the occasional dream where I sort of turn over in bed and it's my ex-husband's face and I'm like, <laughs> oh, and I have a bit of a like scary moment. And then I wake up and go, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I did actually meet someone else and marry somebody new. And I'm, I'm really glad it's uh, number two that's there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it we had um Jess Robinson on the podcast and she called them practice husband and yes I've used husband. that
2: term also I think it's great yeah like first that. one was a practice run yeah
0: and then and then you worked out the kinks and then yeah. you went for it
2: proper. oh gosh there's so much there's so much truth in there so take me back
0: to your divorce where were you in the world how long ago was it what were you doing with your life
2: yeah, well, um, I was in the same part of the world as I am now. So I'm based in Leeds, in a small village just outside Leeds. Um, my husband and I were kind of toddling along with life. Uh nothing terrible kind of occurred. We were, you know, all right, Jack. Um it was when did we get divorced? We got divorced in two thousand and nine, but we separated in two thousand and eight. So it took I'm like sorry. a year. Did you say all right, Jack? What's that? that oh, like you know, phrase? just like we were all right, you know, we were just, everything was, it was okay. We had quite a nice life. And uh, was good his friends. name wasn't Jack. His name's not Jack. No, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I threw Jack in there. <laughs>
0: I love it. Maybe that's like a northern thing. I'm going Maybe, to use that in I a don't sentence know. Maybe today. I just speak
2: nonsense. That's probably more more uh, true. Um, but yeah, we were, I just mean like, you know, we were okay. We were fine. Yeah. Was, there was no, in a way, there was no like huge drama. Um, but life was just quite kind of day to day. And um, I guess I just kind of had this... Almost like an epiphany. It felt like an epiphany at the time, but when I actually look back, I can see it was coming for a while. And I just thought this just isn't this just isn't forever. Um and I was only in my early 30s. So I kind of thought, this just isn't I just couldn't see myself still being in that situation, you know, in my fifties and my sixties and my seventies. And I kind of just had this like realization of, you know, cliche, cliche, life's too short. I need to sort this, I need to sort this situation out. Um, So it was very much my decision, which felt really um, hard at the time, but it was probably harder to be on the other side. Um, So, yeah, so going back, kind of, I think, got married 20 years ago this year um, to him, and then we divorced six years later.
0: Okay, so 14 years ago.
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, we divorced in 2009. Yeah, 14 years ago this year. That's right. Wow. So what was it
0: like making that decision? Because you said you had an epiphany moment. Was it literally like one day you were like, oh my God, this is it. And then you went and spoke to him straight away?
2: Um, no, I didn't speak to him kind of quite straight away. I was actually at a wedding when I realised. So some friends of ours got married and this was this amazing, fabulous wedding. And obviously, you know, there's lots of talk of of what marriage is and and all of that. And there's nothing like a wedding to get you thinking, is there really? Um, it's so, so true.
0: I I went yeah. to a wedding with my ex, like when right at the end, when things weren't going well, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to cry, like during the whole service, but not because I didn't know the people very well that were his friends. <laughs> yeah, but because it was just a reminder of like, no, no, you yeah, know, my marriage isn't this
2: yeah yeah. it was kind of that. So there were really good friends of ours that were getting married. um and um my ex was part of the wedding party. and everybody that we knew really well was in the wedding party, um except me just because I was I didn't have a part to play. It was his best friend um and his husband that we were marrying. Um so I was there as a guest and having a really lovely time. Um, and then we just we had this moment, they got married on a boat, and um they were all really involved with all the photos and everything. And I just was kind of a bit of a loose end and I'd sort of spoken to everybody else that I kind of knew a bit, and I was like, I'm just gonna have a little explore of the boat. So I went and told him I said, I'm gonna go and explore the boat um just while you do this. So I went off and had a little wander around and I was sort of looking over the side, having a think. And um and I was thinking, oh, God, you know, all these thoughts going through my head about what, what it wasn't. And then uh, I went to go and find them again, and they'd all left. And he'd left me on the boat, and he'd gone to the pub without me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I know that possibly sounds really trivial, right? But it was just that kind of moment of, I, would, I wouldn't go to a wedding with somebody and leave the wedding venue without checking where that person was. Like, do you know what I mean? I just was a bit like, what do you mean But and I phoned him and said where are you and he went I've gone to the pub and I was like well I'm still on the boat (laughs) where are you and that, that was kind of one of the key moments really that just flagged to me that this was not the situation for me um and that was even though it was quite a small thing it felt quite a significant thing of this is not how I want to be treated this is not okay I wouldn't have done it to him so, yeah, so the epiphany was that wedding, really. And then I kind of just chewed it over for a few weeks and, I was gonna and then say, it, spat it out. It
0: sounded quite poetic, you, like, looking over the water from yeah. this boat, thinking about your life, <laughs> and then you'd been left. Yeah,
2: left, literally just dumped on a boat. Um, it's funny yeah. you
0: say it, though, because I, I talk a lot because I, you know, on the podcast about I went away for a week. And then came back and it was like walking through the front door and I was like, I know it's over. But Mm -hmm. the catalyst to that was I'd really hurt my leg and I was coming back from the airport and I knew he was off all day and had nothing to do. Mm -hmm. And so I see I didn't ask him to pick me up from the airport, but Mm -hmm. I thought he might like pick me up or check in on me or something because he knew I'd hurt my leg and Mm he fell asleep ah uh, and like yeah. just wasn't bothered and it's a similar thing of like that it's a tiny thing but yeah. it made me go mm,
2: actually. it's like you're just not a priority for that person are you yeah that, that was kind of how it felt it was a bit like oh okay and I yeah and I was really really um annoyed that he'd gone to the pub and annoyed that he'd gone to the pub and realized I wasn't there and yet still not actually come back for me or for me or like thought to find out where I was or anything And bearing in mind that everybody that I knew really well was in the pub with him. So it wasn't like I was with another one of our friends or anything. So I was just about like, oh, that's really, really like ungracious. And yeah, so I kind of had to think about it. And then um, I I just kind of spat it out Um, a few weeks later. Didn't go down massively well, I remember at the time. Um, Did you plan it?
0: like what you were going to say and how you were going to do it?
2: Not really. Not really. I mean, we'd kind of been, you know, we were, we were, we were friends um, really sort of first and foremost, which was, which was great. But um, I I guess I came to realise that that wasn't really enough. Um, And there was lots of talk of like having kids and stuff. Um, And I was under quite a lot of pressure to have children and, um I wasn't really in that place I was very focused at that time on my work and my jewelry and I was sort of quite early doors felt quite early doors in my jewelry business and I was really determined that I wanted this to work and it's a really tough game to kind of to succeed in sort of making you know being a craftsperson in a modern world is quite a tough thing so you know I was working really hard and and sort of you know when you feel like you're swimming through treacle and not not quite getting there but i was really really determined and you know and all he could think about was was that he wanted to to have kids and i was just not really in that headspace so that was kind of quite an issue for us um so i think his kind of takeaway from the whole relationship ending was that it was ending because he wanted kids and i didn't um but actually it was it was more than that really um i think we just we'd we'd sort of fallen into a rut very early days. And you know, there was lots of things about him that I really liked. And we had really good conversations and intellectually we were we were sort of similarly matched and we had things we could talk about. Um but, you know, there kind of just wasn't really that additional something. I just I just couldn't see it being forever. And and I think partly maybe in retrospect, my resistance to having children was perhaps because of that. Although I didn't necessarily see that at the time. So, um, you know, interestingly, then I went on to meet somebody else and have and he had three children when we met. So my life sort of instantly fell into sort of family mode, albeit a part-time one. And and the great irony of that was that spending time with um my stepchildren like made me really fall in love with the idea of being that family and I then went on to have three children so you know and, and my ex-husband and I have talked about that since so we've kind of you know put closure on that I think and he's gone on to have children as well so you know it's kind of all's well that ends well but um yeah it was it was strange sometimes you say things to people and they actually just they don't necessarily hear what you're saying do you know what I mean like they they find their own their own truth that they're comfortable with or that fits with their narrative or or whatever it is and, and that was his. So, yeah, so he actually divorced me. Um. He he put in the paperwork and whatever because it'd be my decision to end the relationship. So he wanted to divorce me and he put on on the divorce papers that, you know, I wasn't prepared to have children and wasn't prepared to discuss it and all this kind of stuff. Um. Sent it off. And then the funny thing that happened about it was it got turned down, which I didn't know this was a thing. Did you know this was a thing? Yeah, because
0: I think that's not, that doesn't constitute so irreconcilable well the new laws of divorce are different now like if one person yes. wants to get divorced you can just get divorced but before you had to cite irreconcilable differences and there has to be more than one I think there has to be like a few a whole list so yeah. children probably isn't a good enough it wasn't to...
2: enough no oh. so then he had to like strengthen up his letter and make <laughs> sound really bad <laughs> <laughs> Which was quite strange because as divorces go, it was quite an amicable one. So um, you know, it we were not like screaming at each other at any point. Um so it was it felt really strange that like we'd we'd apply for this divorce and then some some judge somewhere sat down and went, Nope, you can stay married. And we were like, What? <laughs> How do other people get to decide that for you? I find it found it really, really odd. Um so yeah, so he had to write another letter and sort of appeal that decision and make me sound really bad. So somewhere out there is this letter about how awful I am. Um and why and why we should re- why we should get divorced. So so there you go. So that that kind of tickled me. But anyway, it did go through eventually.
0: <laughs> it's funny because there were so many in that old system, and that's why it's an old system. There were so many, like, loopholes and and hoops you had to jump through to, like, just because you wanted to break up. It's like you had to cite adultery. And what I think we cited adultery on our divorce just because we were still married, but we were separated and we'd gone on dates with other people. So it kind as adultery. Yeah. Um, And I think we were advised to do that by a solicitor because that was an easy way to get it through it's funny that uh, adultery is a good enough reason but not having different opinions about children isn't
2: yeah no it's really bizarre isn't it like is there any more important decision really in some ways you know but yeah but that was how it worked we didn't have solicitors so we didn't have anybody advising us we just did it ourselves at the courthouse kind of thing and sorted out all the finances ourselves and and kind of managed it all quite well really um which was sort of you know interestingly the divorce was a bit like the relationship you know that it was just kind of like one step after the other and we just kind of did it all so um yeah so that so that was that was uh that was what happened there um so how did you do it yourselves
0: how does because I went through solicitors so do you do you just like go online and get a form
2: yeah 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 pretty much and you take it to the court uh courthouse and they they stamp it and and you know, you pay a fee, but it's like buttons in comparison to using the solicitor. Um, and I think most of the legal system is set up that you can't—you are supposed to be able to access it yourself. It's not always very easy to do so, but but you can. So, yeah, so we didn't, either of us, uh, we didn't have solicitor. I mean, we were quite fortunate in that our finances were fairly simple because we didn't have children. So, you know, I think divorces that involve children are, are way more complicated and, and harder on on lots and lots of levels but and um, for us it was fairly simple we um you know we own property together we managed to divide that up fairly simply simply um and we just kind of like you know he forego any claim on 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 my business not that it was really worth anything and uh, i forgo any claim on his pension and we just kind of like said adios and I mean we still I still very occasionally hear from him because we have friends in common so the first um the day that all oh, That glitter's first episode came out he sent me a text message and it just said um is there anything good on telly tonight um and I thought that was quite sweet you know it's quite nice so I mean I'd, I obviously I can't really speak for him exactly what he would say if he was in this position but for me there's not really any hard feelings about about the divorce itself you know I do think like people come into your life and and sometimes they leave your life and that's okay um not everybody that comes into your life is there for life although i um do recognize that when you marry somebody that is kind of the point but it just it just (laughs) wasn't the case for me um and i think um you know what what's quite interesting from it is that not only um am i divorced myself um, my husband, my, my, the current, the current, my current husband, um, is also a divorcee, and I kind of grew up as well, kind of around divorce. So my mum and dad split up when I was just a little baby. Um, oh, they didn't actually divorce until I was a teenager, but he was not present in my life at all. And then my mum had went on to have like two more significant kind of breakups over the course of my childhood. So I was kind of quite. Um, Mercenary is not the right word, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. If something's not serving you, you should, you, you know, it's important to be brave and to to face that and to say, you know, and to know when to, to know when to um fix something, but equally to know when to not fix something and 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 remove that from your life. Um, because I don't think my husband, my ex-husband did anything wrong. I don't think I did anything wrong. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a relationship that was going to last forever.
0: Do you think your mum showed you that it's important to know when to end a relationship? Or do you think there were things your mum did that you learned from to know that?
2: Definitely, you've learned from my mum's experiences. Um, and also, um, I think as well, I was thinking about this this, this morning, but. I think I've actually learned quite a lot from my dad as well. Ironically, even though my dad was completely like persona non gratis in my life. Um, because I think you you learn from from what you physically see happen in front of you, but also um, the fact that my dad wasn't around kind of taught me quite a lot as well. Um, so, you know, I kind of grew up in this really like female dominated um Life. So I have two sisters, they're twins, uh, who are younger than me from um another relationship that my mum went on to have. Um, and then it was my mum, and predominantly over my childhood, my mum was on her own. Um, so we were very much like band of women, you know. So it was very strong girls. And, you know, I remember coming home. Um from school and my mum sort of stood there sweating with a with a lump hammer, having knocked down a wall and stuff. I mean, she was pretty bloody incredible, you know. She was very, very strong and she she had um she worked through the week and then at the weekend she she went to car boot sales and she bought um bits of crockery. She could spot good good bits of crockery. She was always into antiques and stuff. And then on the Sunday, she would take them to an antique fair and she would sell them at an inflated price. And that was how we she kind of paid for our holidays and stuff like that. So, you know, she was a real inspiration for me in terms of like being strong and and really believing that that you'll be okay, you know. So I've never been with somebody because I've felt like I've like needed to be with somebody. I've I have that really ingrained kind of belief that I would be fine on my own and I'm in my relationship that I'm in. Um because I want to be not because I need to be. And I think that's really, you know, that's really important. And that's an empowering place to to come from. Um, but to go back to my dad, um, I think, interestingly, when I look back at my sort of relationship pattern, um, my first couple of boyfriends that I had sort of first love type boyfriends were, were guys that were very distant. And I don't think there's any coincidence there that you know, I didn't have a dad and yet the first men that I chose to kind of get involved with sort of kept me at arm's length a lot. And I was often kind of waiting around, you know, and play those games where when they call and when you call and then how many days did you leave it, you know, and I read that book, the rules. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, now I don't, I don't kind of prescribe to that at all anymore, but, um, you know, I kind of did a lot of that, like waiting around for people to call kind of thing. Um, and I, and i don't think there's there's a i don't think that's a coincidence and that that was always how i felt about my dad so i think you know you learn from the people that are there but you also learn from the people that are not there as well
0: yeah it's interesting i was when you were saying that i was thinking oh i wonder if i was influenced by my dad or like that because my parents split up but later in life Um, And my dad died before they could get divorced, actually. So they were just separated Uh for years. But I think I was, I didn't, I was sort of quite bad with boys when I was (laughs) at school because I'd always be their friend. (laughs) I'd always, (laughs) I'd always be, I took on this like agony on hilarious that I now have a podcast (laughs) about it. But like agony Aunt role of like I'd I'd coach them through life and we'd talk on the phone for like three hours, mm-hmm. um, and then the one I the ones I'd fancy I'd also do that with so I'd end up being oh, like okay. their best friend. I friend zoned myself. Oh no! <laughs> by being I know. And then um, and that was all through like secondary school. So I didn't really have like boyfriends then. I was like had a few snogs, but. I was everyone's friend. Yeah, yeah. And then at uni, I think mm-hmm. I just got ruthless, and I just went and I was like, I'm not going to be friends with anyone. <laughs> and I'm just going to snog. Just people. snog them all. <laughs> yeah, and I did. And um, good for you. Yeah. So, but but I guess I was always very close to my dad. Yeah. And he was like my best friend when I was growing up. So oh, maybe nice. that influenced.
2: Yeah, maybe it did.
0: The, and then I was like, oh, I don't know how to, like, be flirty because I just know how to be people's friends until yeah. uni. And that was the sexual revolution. But then do
2: you think that was a conscious choice then to make that difference in approach?
0: I reckon so, yeah, because it had gone... Well, it hadn't gone badly for me because I had lots of lovely friends. But, like, yeah, yeah. as opposed to, like, my kind of girlfriends who had all these boyfriends and stuff during secondary school I was like well why isn't that happening to me like why am I always yeah the so you had
2: the self-awareness to to know that was what you were doing yeah I mean by sixth form yeah
0: but initially I was like why is this happening and everyone would be (laughs) like did you speak to blah blah for three hours last night on the phone again and I'm like yeah but I don't know what's going on so um yeah, I mean I was always into hearing people's stories and Yeah. You, I know you're a storyteller. I'm like a story <laughs> listener. I'm like, tell me your story. Um but yeah, but then when I was at uni, I was I yeah, I do think I was a bit ruthless probably.
2: That's quite good. Yeah, I think I had a bit of that in university as well. I, I equally made a very conscious decision after having two different relationships, one in high school and then one when I was in university where these guys really kept me at a distance and one of them really broke my heart and um, I, I very much when that kind of came to an end and it was very on off you know all tortured kind of that kind of thing and when that came to an end in fact it was me ultimately that's that put an end to the dregs that were left of it I just thought I'm never ever I am never going down that route again it was a very very conscious decision to to not do that I do think that possibly my relationship with my husband was almost like The opposite of that but like maybe too far so you know I'd had that like torturous painful passionate kind of you know teenage love kind of early 20s kind of crazy crazy you know bonk 10 times a day kind of kind of relationship and then sort of moved on to find somebody that was such a relief that could actually like hold a conversation and and like you know phoned when they said they could and 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 all of that so It was such a relief when I found my ex-husband because he was, you know, he was just a breath of fresh air. So I don't regret my relationship with him because it was just like it was it was the relationship that I needed at that time. I think as part of my whole like emotional kind of development as a person to go through that well this is what love is this love is this painful crazy thing and then to go well no actually it's not you can't actually be friends with somebody that you're in love with and kind of discovering that from him and so you know it's this constant learning journey isn't it you know and then obviously having moved on from that relationship and then Meeting my husband, my current husband. I hate saying that. It's a terrible thing. Sounds like I'm gonna trade him in. I'm not plans to trading him in at all. But you know, the current Mr. White. Um, but yeah, so so kind of feeling then meeting him and feeling like that everything was there, like in equal measure was was really refreshing. So it kind of feels quite full circle um from like the sort of tumultuous childhood. To the crazy relationships, to the stayed one, and then now to find something that's like the perfect balance. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting when you when you stop and look at it as a whole picture rather than little events in isolation.
0: ding dong, it's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com ding dong so do you think after your divorce you were actively looking for something different when you were dating
2: it was strange because I'd been with my ex-husband for for a period of time before I'd been with him I was kind of into these like pretty boys you know like and then when we finally kind of like parted ways then we'd been together like a decade And I sort of started tentatively looking around. I think I joined an online dating um, app or or site, I think, probably at the time it was probably pre-app days. Um, And I was sort of looking at these fellas and the pretty boys didn't really appeal anymore. So my taste kind of changed. Um, And I was more into kind of, you know, like more kind of grown up looking, thankfully, obviously, because I was 10 years older myself. But, you know, I was more into like men, men. Like you know, and kind of like big men, um, so so that was quite interesting. But I mean, I didn't I didn't come away from my divorce feeling like I'd like massively got it wrong, um. Even though it ended in divorce, I didn't really feel like that. You know, he was completely the wrong sort of person, and I needed to be with something that was really really opposite. I didn't feel that at all, um. Because there was lots of good things about that relationship, so I didn't have this like really clear picture of what I was after. I was quite prepared to just be on my own Um, and basically every single girlfriend or friend I had in my life they were all married everybody was either married or in a long-term relationship so I ended that relationship with my ex-husband in the full expectation that I would be on my own a lot you know like physically on my own on a Saturday night and stuff and I was actually okay with that and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna really enjoy this time. I'm just gonna be on my own. I might go on a few dates, but I wasn't like desperate to meet anybody else. So I didn't really give it that much thought about who or what or when or whatever. Um. So you know, I was quite, in, I was quite looking forward to spending loads of time on my own. But as it turned out, I actually met my my husband fairly fairly quickly. But I'm, I'm, I'm still quite a fan of being on my on my own, like spending a lot of time on my own. I think that because I've worked by myself for a long time, I'm very comfortable in my own skin and I'm really comfortable in my own company. And what I found during lockdown was that when I was had no time on my own at all, because I had three kids and they were all at home, I'd literally nearly lost my mind because that, that time on my own is like really grounding for me. And if there's too many people around me all the time or too much noise, I get quite overwhelmed. So, um, you know, I I was really looking forward to it, but it just kind of didn't really happen in the end because I sort of moved on fairly quickly.
0: It's funny because I think during my marriage, I wasn't good at being on my own. And even like, you know, like if a friend was going, I'd always be like, let's have one more drink. And I'd always want them to stay a little bit longer. And, and, you know, if I had a day where nothing was going on, I'd always want to, book it up and like fill it with people and Mm -hmm. actually getting divorced helped me learn to love being on and now I love being on my own I love alone time and like I'm in a new relationship and I and I love spending time with them but I also love days on my own of just like Mm -hmm. oh I can just potter around and do whatever and I don't think I really had that until I got divorced
2: yeah it's interesting. We all learn different things.
0: So but what was the recovery process like for you?
2: I kind of felt like I'd I'd almost done that before, you know, before we actually got divorced. So although we we decided, or rather I decided really, that we were gonna separate um, I think in the summertime, we didn't actually I didn't move out of the house until like the following spring. So um So there was quite a period of time where we were like still sharing this house, but not as a couple. So I'd like moved into the spare room and he pretty much got straight back on the dating wagon and was away a lot at like different girls houses. And he was really putting it about. So I was like, oh, you're clearly heartbroken. So, because he clearly wasn't that bothered, so I was a bit like, "All right, okay." But that kind of was comfort because I thought, "Well, it's obviously been the right decision." Then, because he wasn't like devastated.
0: But was he that bothered? And he was just trying to show you well, that other people knows? wanted him. Who
2: knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll give him a call after the podcast. We <laughs> <laughs> get back to you. You can put it in the notes. It d- it certainly didn't seem so. It certainly didn't seem so. How did that feel then?
0: So early on, your still at home and he's out at different people's houses.
2: Well, I mean, in a way it was weird because it wasn't that weird, you know, because we still had the core of that. We got on all right. So, you know, he wasn't he wasn't there a lot of the weekends he was off. So I kind of had the house to myself at the weekends um, and had the time to myself. But he, um, you know, we still kind of like managed to like sort stuff out and talk about stuff um and I mean not saying that we didn't have any arguments we did we did have a couple of arguments but um it it was it was pretty much like I kind of spat it out and he kind of accepted it and then off he toddled and I was like oh right was that it like I thought there'd be more drama but um but there just kind of wasn't um and even when you know he he met somebody and and sort of like decided this was a was a serious person before we'd even like moved out of the house um and and that that was kind of that felt a bit weird, and it was at that point I think that I said to him, You know, I think we need to not live together now, you know you've met someone, um I think we need to not not be in the same house anymore, so you know that that was kind of that was the point that really pushed us to kind of you know make that break so I guess it was quite a protracted kind of separation but it wasn't like really acrimonious so it was easy for it to be protracted and I just kind of used that time to kind of get all my like you know what's the expression about eggs in a basket or ducks in a row or something whatever it was one of them we got all my ducks in a row and kind of you know we sorted out the finances and um I worked out where I was going to live and where he was going to live and all that jazz and and then we we kind of went our separate ways um and then not not long after that, I met my my husband the 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 man that I'm married to now um and kind of you know met this guy and thought, "Oh well, that, you know he's nice and then I was a bit like, "Well, she'd really take this slow and just didn't take it slowly at all <laughs> <laughs> and and really frightened all my friends. I went back up to Scotland, um having sort of had a couple of dates with this guy. And met him for coffee and and I, I just felt very strongly that he was somebody. And um I went home and and met up with my two best friends um who've known me since I was a child. And I said to them, I've met this guy and they were like, What's he like? I said to him, I'm gonna marry him. And they just looked at me like I was insane. I'm like, you're not even divorced yet. Slow down. <laughs> I was like, no, no, but he's amazing. He's amazing. Um and, and it, like, that's what okay. I hoped for
0: I was like having a sexual explosion that I got to the end of my sexual explosion and I was like now I meet the next person
2: okay where and then, are
0: you yeah and then actually <laughs> I ended up being single for like four years <laughs> and I was like and then I, I enjoyed it by the end and I was like no this is good for me but I'd heard all these stories of like people meeting you know the next love of their life really soon after getting divorced and I was like that's gonna be me oh no wait it's not but it sounds like you had a really like practical approach to everything did you have any time where you just were emotional
2: god am I sounding like a robot I probably am no but it's like
0: you were like I'd you know worked through the divorce before we broke up and then we lived together and then I moved out you know
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't hugely, um, I didn't have these like big hysterical um, moments or arguments with him because it it just so felt like the right decision. And even his reaction compounded that, that it was the right decision. Uh, I do remember um, the Christmas after we decided we were separating, which was in the summer. So it's like a good six months, but we were still living together. But it, it feels like a real thing, doesn't it? The whole like the first Christmas is like a big, feels like a big deal, um, and as much as I kind of was like walking around going oh I'm okay I'm okay everything's okay we're all okay here you know everyone's okay here there's nothing to see here I'm okay you know I remember getting on a train and going up to Scotland to stay with my mum over Christmas and and realising as I crossed the Scottish border that every muscle in my body was tense and I was like sitting on clenched buttocks and just realising as soon as I got over the border like everything just relaxed and I just kind of went Ooh. And there was tension in me that I didn't even realize was there, um, and I think I got to my mum's and like cried for like four days, um, and then came down with the most horrendous flu bug, and was I re- was pr- practically bedridden for two weeks. So I think that was probably like the tipping point, um, you know, the the realization that that this was over, that there was you know a new life to be built, and that that was quite scary, and. Um, you know, I think that was probably my emotional release that up till that point I'd been like holding it and holding it and holding it in. But I think I kind of do that. I have this like, I have this like reserve emergency kind of status where the emotions kind of get like shoved down. And then it's not until afterwards that they kind of all all pile out. Like when you get to the safe zone, kind of, everything piles out. I did that in a show actually, interestingly. When we were filming all That glitters, it was pointed out to me that I never cried the whole time um and and I didn't why did and, someone
0: point that out to you
2: I well, they were desperate for me to cry the production <laughs> were desperate they kept saying like make her speak to her children when I got through to the final were like put her children on the phone and then my son wouldn't get off his xbox so I was going Henry this is really important you know get off your xbox <laughs> and he was like yeah whatever um so you know so I'd really disappointed them that I didn't cry I don't think but um I think I was just in that like emergency like stress kind of mode where I didn't let that let that happen and I did the same you know when I got when I was getting divorced I was kind of like get through get everything sorted practical head you know and then it wasn't until you kind of get up to your mums you know that everything just goes and I was just a mess for like weeks a few weeks certainly Um, and then I think sort of coming out of that and then feeling better. And then I was like, no, it's okay. Like I can't, you know, I got my, my big girl pants back on and was like, right, no, that's okay. I can do this. You know, I'm going to be all right. And that fundamental belief of you're going to be okay, kind of kicked back in again. Um, but I do think it's important to have that, that moment as well. Um, and I'd obviously just been like running around all clenched up and not, not really letting that in. Um, at all but yeah it still came and caught up with me eventually
0: so if you were speaking to Emma who is in the midst of divorce maybe that time when you got to Scotland and you let all the emotion out now Mm -hmm. what advice or words of encouragement would you give post-divorce
2: Emma I would I would probably just say to Emma that she's doing all right really and not sweat it and you'll be okay um I mean I think I did actually know that at the time anyway but you know it's still nice to hear it isn't it and I mean that's what my mum said to me as well when I went up and my sisters I've got two sisters and they're really supportive um so you know being knowing that you've got that kind of behind you is massively helpful as well like there was no you know I didn't have any of that like Judgment or horribleness from anybody, or anybody making me feel like I'd failed, or, you know, that I, that I was this terrible bad person, you know, so there was none of that. So I think in that way, I was quite fortunate because my family is just completely non judgmental. And it doesn't really matter what your situation is with my mum and my sisters, it's just like they're there completely. So, so, you know, I think, I think it was pro, you know, I think it probably did all right, really it wasn't a complicated divorce we were you know in agreement we managed to sort out the finances we didn't have any children to consider we were just able to kind of like sort it out and move on so from that point of view you know i realized i was very fortunate
0: and did you ever did you have any thoughts that you wouldn't get married again or were you were you always still in into the idea of marriage
2: the getting married again thing wasn't like super super important to me i i kind of was hoping to have a bit more time on my own that i didn't end up really having um so i mean for the the kind of getting married again thing came about partly because i have stepchildren and they felt very strongly that that we needed to create a new family unit so you know we had talked about getting married again, but obviously, like we've both been, we've both been married before, and we, did, we were a bit like, "Oh, well, people just think, oh, here they go again," you know, this kind of attitude. But at the end of the day, it wasn't really about what everybody else thought; it was about what we thought, and we were obviously quite concerned with what the children thought. Um, and they were like, "No, no, you need to, you need to get married, and you need to take our name as well." They were really like insistent about that because I hadn't changed my name when I got married um the first time I'd kept my own name um so that was all about you know me wanting to keep my identity and and that kind of stuff but interestingly when I got married the second time I had a really different take on it so I kind of thought okay yeah I'm all I'm all right with that I'm, I'm good I'm good with that so that felt really nice so so I did actually change my name so white is is my uh is my husband's my husband's surname so that that was quite that was something that was different but that felt that felt good and that felt right about marrying again.
0: That's nice. We haven't really talked about that side of things before with the name changing because quite often it's you know if there's a man involved they normally want you to take their name and actually the idea of that like merging to one family unit is quite a nice thing. Um, yeah. Because I don't know, I don't think I'd take someone else's name again. But if I had children, I think I would We'd work out that they would have one family name, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's like my sisters have, have um, you know, got children, but they've, um, one of them. Uh, One of my sisters has has two children which she's had outside of marriage and both those children had the dads' names. And I was always a bit like, well, for me they would have had like they would have had my name because they've like, you know, you've you've birthed them. (laughs) You know, it gives you first dibs on their surname, in my opinion. But um, but you know, that's that's been her decision that was right for her. But um, but yeah, I found I actually just found it like a massive compliment that my stepchildren really wanted for me to have their name. That persuaded me into changing my name as well. And I do love it now because I have three stepchildren and and um Richard and I have three children together as well. So there's six children all together. I mean, two are adults now, so I use the word I use the term children loosely, but um so that but there are six of them. So and we all have the same surname. And I love that because you know as a as a blended family, you know it can be a very complicated situation and there's a lot of juggling and stuff but but you know we do feel like we are a family, and that that's you know I feel that's very important to me and it's and it's obviously important to to them as well so so that you know that kind of i i like that I like the fact that that kind of connects us all and brings us all together so what
0: was it like being a stepmom and coming into an, a pre-existing family how did you negotiate that
2: well that that is a great question and it's a huge massive topic it's probably like a whole other podcast it was um it was much nicer than you might think because I have lovely stepchildren um and I think they um there's three of them all together but the youngest my youngest um stepchild was was just very very young at the time so i'm mainly talking about the two older ones who were teenagers um they were just um just really lovely people so when we when we kind of got together obviously i was really nervous to meet them because normally like my, my past experience the nervous thing was meeting the parents so like it was like a double whammy so I had to meet the parents but then I was then I had to meet the children and I was like oh my god and they're teenagers like and going back to my two friends in Scotland they thought I was mad they thought it was absolutely bonkers um when I said to them oh yeah he's got yeah three kids two teenagers and they were like what (laughs) they thought I was insane but I think teenagers get like a really bad um you know they get really bad rap um they're they're great you know they were such good fun and um you know, they'd had quite a rough kind of time just with their mum and dad getting divorced and then uh, dad's subsequent relationships where they'd, you know, been, been very sad and been very upset. And um, when I came along, I think they were, they were so complimentary about me, which I didn't massively deserve because, you know, they, they would say, oh, you're so amazing and you're this and you're that and whatever. And his family were very keen. And I was like, well, actually, I'm just a normal person. It's just that the way they'd been treated before wasn't nice. So, you know, I'm just a normal person and this is what normal people are like. And I just treated them like they were people. And we just had really, really good fun. So they were with us quite a lot. They were with us kind of, um, you know, every holiday we spent some time with them. And then they were with us like every other weekend. Um, And we just had a really nice time. So, you know, because they were kind of 14 and 16, we were able to do like more grown-up-y kind of things. Um, and we were able to, like, go for dinner and we went to the cinema and, you know, we padded around the city centre and we went shopping. We just had a lovely time. So, you know, we we um, we just formed this really, really strong bond. Um, and I didn't actually meet my um, husband's youngest daughter for, like, I think it was about 18 months after we got together. Um, so that, that felt like a really long time. But um, when I met her, she was... Um, you know, pre kind of preschool age, so that was a different relationship again because she she doesn't ever remember me not being in her life, and um and that's really lovely. So we're very close as well. So you know, I've been really really fortunate in terms of the um the whole step parenting thing. I mean, the the bit where it can be tricky is how it how it is with the other parents. Um, so you know that's been a learning curve. Um, but I think you know here we are now. Richard and I have been married now for 11 years so you know we're all, we're all happy happy days now but the juggling bit can be tricky the kind of christmases and holidays and you know those those kind of bits can be really really hard um with a lot of compromise going on when you're trying to like navigate different families and different kids and different ages and you know that can be tricky but i think um you know now we're now we're fine we're there but step parenting is is um for me, it was a really positive experience. But again, I'd grown up with like I'd grown up in a step family, and I'd grown up with other kids coming in from other relationships. So, you know, I wasn't massively phased by it. But I think that the thing that that surprised me was that although I was a bit nervous about meeting the children, the children were fine, and it was actually the other adults that made it difficult. But you know, that's my husband's story, really, rather than mine. Um, so. But but we kind of just got there. I, th- I think you just go in with this philosophy of like treat people how you would like to be treated and then it'll all be okay, hopefully in the end um and I do remember having quite a key conversation with my um eldest stepdaughter um and and her saying, you know, talking to me about like her dad's relationships and things that he'd had and I just said to her, look, I I will not always get it right, but I just promise you that even if I get it wrong like I am trying. So, you know, just be patient with me. And it's interesting now because she's now getting to the age that I was when um when I met her dad. So, you know, she said to me the other day, Oh my God, I can't believe that like you were my age and you were like going out with my dad and, 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 and all this. So it's it's funny, but we do have like a really nice relationship. Um and and that's really, really important. And I don't I don't know how people manage to to have a great relationship when they don't have that with the, with the kids because they're like such a key part and when we got married I actually made a, I actually made a speech um, and I made that speech because I wanted to talk to those children and I wanted them to feel that the day wasn't just about Richard and I getting married but it was about us establishing ourselves as a family unit um, and that was really important to me and everybody cried not me of course because I don't yeah. do that do I Sam uh- <laughs> but everybody else cried <laughs>
0: <laughs> you cried when you saw your mum
2: I cried when I saw my mum yeah there you go so um, yeah so interesting interesting but they are yeah it's it's a, it's fun and games being a step parent but in some ways much easier being a step parent and being a parent because kids go home you know back to mums whereas when you're an actual parent you know they don't go anywhere and I do remember saying to my husband when we were pregnant with uh, with Henry my eldest I said to him, you do realise nobody's going to want this one like at the weekend. You know, no, this one's like 24-7 and boy, he is 24-7 as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say,
0: what's it like bringing children that you've had, that you've given birth to in that family unit with stepchildren?
2: It's great. You know, I, we don't really over overly complicate it. Um, the children sometimes, like the younger ones, they struggle to explain it to people. And, you know, like they'll get a new teacher at school and the teacher will go, you've got how many brothers? Like how many sisters? Like nobody, nobody kind of like, and how old? And like they'll, they'll say, and how old's your your big brother? And they'll say, oh, he's 29. And they're like, oh, my God, that's like four years older than the teacher. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> we did have a really awkward moment once when uh, Henry had done a project about his older brother. And he'd made like a book about his travels because he was a skipper on on, on um, yachts. And he would made this book and it had photos of him stuck in it and then he'd like painted on the top and stuff. It was really lovely actually. And he handed it into the teacher and the teaching assistant got really unnecessary about these photos of my steps on, like on the yeah. doorstep. I was like, whoa, and giving it, and I was just, at first I was like, ha and then I was a bit like, this is not, this, <laughs> this is really weird. Oh, we wow. need to stop this conversation now. So, you know, there, there is the, the kind of the whole, like, the fact that there's like a vast age range between the oldest and the youngest. But, I mean, you don't have to go back that far to find that families were like that, you know, like 50 years ago or something. I guess it's a more of a modern phenomenon that there's just two kids and, and they're two years apart you know you don't have to go back so far like my grandparents were like one of nine and one of 13 but um but now it's like really unusual so I do quite enjoy saying to people that we have six kids because the look of horror on their face is absolutely <laughs> priceless
0: yeah I think um, my grand was one of 11
2: yeah you know, crazy yeah. how did women have 11 kids I mean their families must have just fallen out yeah
0: yeah Oh, they probably just been dragging along the floor.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) No, they obviously did lots of pelvic.
2: Obviously, they were there with the Kegels. Yeah, yeah. So, looking back
0: on your divorce, what do you think is the biggest learning point or the biggest takeaway you have looking back now?
2: I mean, I guess for me, sort of the biggest takeaway would be like regret nothing really, because although, you know, it didn't work, it did work for the period of time that we were together and I learned from the relationship. And, you know, I feel like I took that learning forward and actually enabled me to create, you know, to find another relationship that was, you know, that was a, an improved relationship that took me into a happier kind of place. So, you know, I don't really have like a massive regret about about marrying him at all um and I hope he doesn't as well but I don't know really you'd have to ask him um so yeah regret nothing I would say just there's no point beating yourself up about what you've done wrong before you just got to keep moving on and just learn from it so learning is kind of key to me in my life and my professional life as well so but it's also part of just my philosophy around how I move through Every day, really.
0: I love that. Where can people find you and follow you and buy your lovely jewellery?
2: Well, they can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I am um, Emma.white.jewelry on Insta or The Jewellery Makers. I have two different accounts on Facebook. I'm The Jewellery Makers. And my jewellery is sold online through thejewellerymakers.co.uk. That's where you can find me.
0: Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one. Or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com. And we have a Patreon account, which means that you... Use-